Today, we pay tribute to the Godfather, Kevin Samuels, as today is March 13th, 2023, his birthday. We also talk about why people love to point the finger instead of focusing on the three fingers pointing back at them. We're going to talk about if innovation wants to take a halt for about a year or so, and we're going to talk about revenge and why it's a dish that's not best served at all as opposed to cold. This and more on the Chico DeManuel Show. Let's get it. Salutations. Welcome to the Chico Demanwell Show. It's your host, Chico, as usual. Today, we got a good show, also as usual, but doing it a little bit differently. Well, not a little bit differently, but opening with a tribute. Today happens to be my birthday. I've turned 31 years old today. Lucky me. But uh, before I talk about myself, there's someone else's birthday that happens to be today. Somebody that's a lot more influential than I, someone that's a lot more accomplished and has done a lot more for men, women, and the black community than I'll probably ever do. Not to, uh, you know, self-deprecate, but however, today would have been Kevin Samuels' birthday. Kevin Samuels and I share a birthday, and I've been on YouTube looking at the celebration of his life, which is the way that I like to look on those that have passed on and look back at what they've done and look at the, the good memories they've given me and the things that they've taught me and, the, you know, how they've contributed to my life, you know, and the lives of others, the impact they left behind, as opposed to spending a whole lot of time boohooing and being sad and all that shit. Like, it, it's a part of it. Like, that's a part of death. But death is a part of life, and it will come for us all one day. Nevertheless, I just believe the better way to re remember somebody and to really show your respects and the way for it to be a meaningful thing in your life, the way for it to be looked back as a positive thing instead of a negative thing, you know? That's that's the way you have to go about it. I've watched Kevin Samuels on YouTube. I've watched dozens and dozens of his videos. I know pretty much his content by heart. I've seen many of his shorts. And I also saw and heard about the way that people talked about him when he died. And it fucking infuriated me. I think it's outright 
reprehensible. You know, I understand not liking Kevin Samuels. I understand that some people may have been bitter or he might have left a sour taste in your mouth. But in a lot of ways, I'm the exact same way. Like, his message was very direct. He didn't tolerate a lot of bullshit. He got straight to the point with you. But it's real easy to misinterpret Kevin Samuel's message when you think he's just being a dick for the sake of being a dick. They say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but not in the instance of Kevin Samuel. He was really trying to help. He was trying to do something positive. He was trying to give back in his own way. But a lot of people fell victim to the style over substance problem where his tone was harsh or so you don't want to hear what he has to say or you think he's trying to be helpful you think he's trying to rub dirt in the wound or rub salt in the wound I should say and that's not the case there was one episode where as opposed to talking to a woman he was talking to a man and a man was trying to tell him that if he softened his message up and if he did this and if he did that more people would he would have more success but he challenged this man's criticism and saying, well, first of all, how much success have you have had in doing that, which is none. So what could you really tell me about how I need to run my channel? He's like, I've got 20,000 people watching this show. What are you talking about? I'm actually helping black men and black women get married. What are you talking about? I'm actually helping men step up to the plate and fulfill their purpose and helping women do the same thing and not look at being a housewife or contributing to the black community and the black man as being a slave. What have you done? And all the guy could say was, I mean, I mean, you know, man, I hear you, but uh, I, I, I'm just saying, I feel like if you get, it's like, bro, you're shitting. Get out your feelings, you know? And when you say shit like that to people, they want to get all butthurt and they want to look at you as a bad person. It's like, with all the things that are happening in the world, if the worst thing I've done to you is just said something in a way that you didn't like, but it was factually accurate, it was correct, it was true objectively, Stop being a bitch. Like, seriously, stop being a little bitch about it. You know? I think another reason that his message came off harsh and people focused on it so much was, besides the fact that sometimes it was a bit harsh, it was a man communicating to a woman. You got this well-dressed, clean-cut guy in a suit, and he's got these nice glasses on, crispy haircut, salt and pepper going on and shit, you know? And... You're a woman, you've held these beliefs, and like, when you diagnose a situation, you think this is what's wrong, then here comes this smooth-looking guy coming around and telling you, no, okay, no, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? What's your dress size? What do you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10? You can't use seven. It's like, he's like, no, actually, you, so you're thinking you're gonna get a six-figure man? No, absolutely not, it's not gonna happen, because six-figure men don't want you, high-value men don't want that. Ma'am, ma'am, You've got three kids, you're 32 years old, it's not going to happen, okay? You think you're gonna get a man with a six-figure income? He's already gotta come in and raise your children that you've had with some other man. It's not gonna happen, you are delusional. Totally accurate things. Totally factual, accurate things. And they hated him for it. I actually have a neighbor who stays next door to me. We used to hang out, smoke weed every now and again, chat. But, once she found out, I was a fan of Kevin Samuels, never happened again. Just all small talk passing by to avoid the awkward silence. People telling me people was happy when he died. They were like posting positive, positive tweets about his death. Now see, I didn't know about that because for God's sake, I would never, ever, 
ever get on Twitter. I would never make a Twitter. Never have, never will. But when I heard that shit, I was just taken aback. I'm like, these salty bitches are that mad at somebody that actually tried that has actually tried to do something positive for you? I know it's a thing in life, but it's like, really y'all gonna dance on his grave? This shit was appalling. It's still appalling. Nonetheless, that's why I'm talking about him right now on his and my birthday because he's a man that deserves respect. He's a man that deserves reverence. I don't think I've seen anybody on YouTube or anywhere else that was doing what he was doing and doing it successfully. He's a role model. He's somebody to look up to. And we need more people like him. We got to step up to the plate, not only as men, but as black men. And I'm not all Afrocentric and all that. I wouldn't, I'm not what you would describe as particularly pro-black. But I'm not anti-black. And we need more examples and more figures like this, like this man, this gentleman, the godfather, stepping up, making their voices heard, because by default, it's going to fix a lot of the problems that's plaguing society right now. Especially with these entitled, unruly women and these lazy, unambitious men. It's a problem. He was the antidote to that problem. And while he's no longer with us, his presence, his message, his ideology will live on forever. And I thought that it was important to acknowledge it, spread the word, and pay my respects on a real nigga anniversary. Kevin Samuels, we appreciate you. We salute you. And we can only hope that the positive effect that you tried to, that not, not only tried, the positive effect that you had and left with us will multiply and radiate endlessly. And even though you won't be here to see it, the things you were striving for will one day come to fruition. Aye, aye, Captain. With that being said, got a good show. Got a couple things we're going to talk about today. And um, without further ado, let's get moving. Third base topic. y'all here we go third base topic um it's a conversational phenomenon i notice it with a lot of the things that i watch on youtube where with the people who actually have things to say and they're trying to get someone else to understand something that is more or less objectively correct or the way things are and I'm just curious, why is everybody looking to prove somebody wrong instead of listening and thinking? Why is everybody focused on being right? It's a, it's a phenomenon that's taken over in conjecture when we're talking about things and someone is wrong. Someone holds a belief that is provably and empirically incorrect but for whatever reason, they firmly stand by this shit. Like, 
Why is everybody looking to tell you that you're wrong, whether you're right or not? People don't listen. Or if they do listen, they're only hearing what they want to hear. Like, what the fuck is so wrong about being wrong? We've all been wrong. We all still to this day are wrong about something at some point. Even if it's just about whether there's going to be traffic in the morning. We are not psychics. Like in like built into the human race, psychic ability is not one of those components. So that's the only way I can understand if somebody was mad about being wrong about something. Like if you had an, if you had some type of magical clairvoyance and you could just see into the future, like at will, and you had the, and you and you looked into the future. And incorrectly predicted something. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're wrong. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. But it's not the case. It gets really, really emotionally taxing, almost physically taxing, definitely mentally taxing, but almost physically taxing to try to save an idiot. (laughs) Like, for lack of a better expression, like... I don't see what's so bad about being wrong. I don't see what's so good about being right. Like, what if you were sitting on the, you were going to see the doctor and you're like, is it HIV doctor? Is that what I have? Yep, that's right. You got HIV. Oh man. What the fuck was good about being right about that? You know? Being right is not inherently good. It's not, it doesn't make you better. Being right simply means that in this particular situation, whatever that may be, you had the right philosophy. That's all it means. It's not, you're not better than me. You're not worse than me. Just means in this particular discussion, in this particular debate, in this particular whatever, I knew something you didn't. I applied something a little better than you did. As far as I see it, being wrong can be a strength. Because when you're wrong and you find out that you were wrong, you found a weakness. You found a weakness within you that you can now eliminate. Because we're humans, we have flaws. But when you get the opportunity to rid yourself of a flaw and improve yourself as a result, that's a good thing. I would say it's objectively good. And let's just say in the situation that you're looking for advice or you're looking for some guidance and someone tells you something and you retort with what you know. It's like, if you're looking for advice or you don't have an answer, someone gives you an answer and then you tell them why their answer is no good. That's kind of insulting. It's like, if you knew what the fuck you didn't know, you wouldn't be sitting there talking to me. We're in a position where you need guidance, you need direction that's given to you and for some reason it's not good enough. Like, how the hell would you know? 
You're lost. You're roaming around the city. Excuse me, sir. Do you know how to get to uh, Triumph Street? Yeah, you got to go up two blocks that way, bust right, and as soon as you pass the bike shop, it's right there on the corner. Oh no, that, but but I thought I thought this street where I thought that street where in Norfolk. Look, if you don't want my advice, get the fuck out of my face. It's how I feel. If you don't want the answers to my questions, don't ask me. Cause I'm gonna give you that answer indiscriminately. I don't give a fuck if it's, if 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 your dog just died. I don't give a fuck if your cat just learned to tap dance. I don't give a damn if your elbow is sore. You ask me a question, I'm going to answer it honestly, very honestly. I'm not in the job of making people feel better. It's not my, not my, not my career path. As a matter of fact, when answering questions, I don't really give a fuck how you feel. Because when answering questions, considering people's feelings is not a part of that process. It's just not. If you ask me what time it is, am I supposed to think, oh, I would tell him it's this time, but what if he's late for something? Or what if he's like, no. Nigga, it's 4.30. Simple. I think it's a problem with a lot of people, especially those who think they know everything. It's just they're, they're so busy on being right that they just can't see what is. Like, fuck being right. Fuck being wrong. What is? It disturbs me that people just aren't interested in the objective reality of things. That their subjective horseshit balloons up and and takes over their psyche, their intelligence. It's crazy. But the scariest part is I have to live alongside these people. People who don't know how to debate because they can't understand their ideas and their thoughts and they can't formulate that into an argument. And then you have to, you're you're left sitting here bumbling, repeating yourself and breaking shit down in many different ways. All for someone who just wants to say they're right. It's... (laughs) It's one of the most annoying losing battles that you can engage in. I think people need to stop worrying about wrong and right. Stop worrying about wrong and right. Start worrying about solutions. Because the answer to a problem is not always hell. Most often, not what you want. Especially if you're on that journey because you didn't know of another journey to be on or the journey you're on right now is causing distress listening and thinking are more powerful and important than speaking than being right than destroying someone A lot of people just don't listen and then they wonder why they're in the situation they're in. And then when you tell them, they tell you why they're in the situation they're in, but they don't even fucking know why. It's the blind leading the blind. 
Stop trying to be right and listen to what the people who've been there and done that have to say. Or shut the fuck up. Because nobody who's been there and done that wants to hear from shit. Hear from somebody who hasn't done anything. It's very insulting. With that being said, let's bounce on over to that second base topic. Right, second base topic. Um, this is something I've thought about ever since I was a kid. I won't say a kid. I'll say like a, a, a teenager, preteen and a teenager. I, as we all know, used to play video games. I don't anymore, thank God. Um, but the thing that brought this to my attention in particular was games like. Madden and Call of Duty. If you're familiar with video games, you understand that games like Madden and Call of Duty have yearly releases. Madden is around, what's that, I think like August, September every year. New Madden. Call of Duty drops around November, middle of November, right before Thanksgiving. And every year, on cue, They come out with a new installment. And it's like, do we really need a new installment? Like, was last year's game not good enough? Like, are games only good enough to play for a year before I need to drop another 60 to 100 plus dollars on a new one with just polished graphics and a fucking new menu to click through? So... I think I would say, like, what's up with the, the, the constant need for innovation? Like, why are we always new and improving, new, make, giving something, a, a, putting a new novelty on something, giving something novelty and improving it every year? Like, does it need it that often? Especially with all the things that we have right now, with all the advancements in technology and Things of that nature, medical science, engineering. Do we really need shit like constantly every year? Like, when are we gonna just sit back and 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 enjoy things? I feel like there's the appreciation for all the things that we have and the things that we've achieved over time is dwindling. I don't know the actual definition of greed. I would normally look it up, but I didn't think it was particularly relevant to this discussion. But I do think greed has something to do with it. Because personally, I would define greed as a lack of appreciation for what you have in front of you, for what's here right now. Like, what's wrong with what's here right now? Why do you need to make a new version of the same fucking pickup truck every goddamn year? Especially when you just bought one last year and you took good care of it. I understand, like, the practical answer. Well, everybody didn't take care of their pickup truck last year, Chico. Yeah, I get that. 
but you're missing the point. Like we've got enough advancements, technology, intelligence, that we should be good. I don't even really watch movies anymore. Because everything is a fucking Marvel or a DC movie. Or everything's just CGI'd. Like heavily to the point to where like these things used to blow my mind because I couldn't imagine actually visually in, like visually accepting something of this of this nature. But at this point I've visually accepted a lot of things. There's nothing new under the sun in that regard. And when I say they don't make movies like they used to, I kind of mean like they don't. The movies now are too good, I guess if you would call it. Too much CGI, too much fucking Disney Pixar 3D uh, digital shit. Like I just don't care. Like how many times can I be wowed by the same degree of shit? The answer to that is, I guess, it's, I, I don't know, but it's happened. Couldn't give you a number, couldn't quantize it, but it's happened. Why do we need all this shit? And then when you look at the attitudes of people today, it's just dripping with entitlement. Like, everybody feels like they're owed this shit. When you look at grandparents, boomers, senior citizens, they still walk around with like a clamshell cell phone, if they have one. You know why? Because it fucking works for them. In their era, the idea of a smartphone is completely bananas. (laughs) Like, the fact that you got a phone that can fucking pay bills stream movies and even connect to the internet is far more than they ever could have encompassed like they thought we was going to be driving fucking flying cars right now oh no we've got something way dumber driverless cars driverless cars to me that sounds like people running out of ideas like you know that thing you used to have to get into and operate Yeah, well, now it'll operate itself. Like, what's the benefit of that? So I can, like, get drunk and still drive my car home? Or so while I'm going on a road trip, I can climb into the back seat and have full sex instead of just getting my dick sucked? Or when I'm on a family road trip, I can just put the car on autopilot and take the seatbelt off and turn around and play fucking spades or euchre or whatever the fuck with the family, go fish. Uno, like why? Why do we need a driverless car? Why does a car need to drive itself? Like, seriously. Then once we get driverless cars, we're gonna get driverless lawnmowers, and we're gonna get fucking uh 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 just food that cooks itself. Like, what the fuck? It's stupid. I do think the idea of a driverless car is cool. It's it's technologically fucking amazing. It's mind-blowing. 
I guess it's practical if they've done it already. But useful? No. No. It's not going to help us accomplish anything we haven't already. All this innovation, having to stay ahead of the curve, having to keep up, keep up with the Joneses. Fuck the Joneses. Why can't I just, you know, be satisfied? You know, I got my iPhone, I got my combustion engine in my car, got gas, power windows. <laughs> like, why is that not enough? Now, I know this, the greed that, that is, in my eyes, present as a result of all this isn't all-inclusive. I know everyone's not affected by this. But I know someone else has got to be thinking this shit like, come on, man, when the fuck is enough enough? When's enough enough? And I suppose, depending on who you ask, that answer might be never. And if it is the answer, that's really sad. It's really scary. Especially when you have AI bots coming out that can mimic people's voices and can hold a conversation using voices of real people who didn't say those things. What was I listening to? I was listening to a conversation between like Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, and... Someone else, I can't remember who the other person was, but it's like, it didn't necessarily, it, it was their voice, it didn't sound like them because it's not, I don't give a damn, I don't think AI can ever mimic humanity, but it, it didn't not sound like them either. And while that's cool, to me that's scary. Like, what the fuck? Why do I need a robot that can really just create my voice and pretend to have like tonality and emotional upticks and downticks and shit. Like, it's unnecessary. This is the product of too many people with collective boredom. Let's just take a year off. Don't come out with no new movies. God forbid some actor with a net worth of $300 million doesn't make a movie for a fucking year. You know? Take a year off. Let's like use that year to think of some shit that's gonna be actually fresh and, and, and appealing to watch. Just take a year off. Enjoy the video game we've been playing. Stop creating shit. How about we reflect on some of the things that we already got? Let's look back on some shit. Cause this generation right now is fucking lost. Because they have it too good. That's the humility that your grandparents have and had. It has vanished. Because they don't know how hard this shit can be. Everything's too fucking easy. Imagine a motherfucker, uh, one of these Gen Z millennial motherfuckers, living in the goddamn jungle, in the wilderness, in the wild. Or on the street. It'll fucking crumble. And I got personal experience with that. It's not easy. It's not fun. So they couldn't do it. 
Let's stop innovating, man. For just for a year, one calendar year, from January 1st to December 31st. Let's see what happens. See if it gives us some perspective or see if we bitch out and, and, and give up before fucking March. Life ain't gotta be this easy. As a matter of fact, it's not. That's my piece on that. Let's get on over to the main topic. First place, first base, whatever the fuck. You know what it is. All right, you've made it. Give yourself a pat on the back. Congratulate yourself and, and, and mean it. Don't just do it, mean it. You've made it to the topic. Um, I kind of juggled with uh, how to title this, what I wrote down was, uh, you, you can make me suffer, but you can't make me cave. And I feel like that's a little too ambiguous, but essentially, I- I'll find a title for it. But essentially, it's just about how, you know, try- trying to hurt me, trying to get even, things I don't do anymore. Like, people are going to think and do and say what they want. And I understand that. And when people think and do and say things I don't like, I don't take it personal, and I don't try to get even. It's stupid. They say revenge is a dish best served cold. But I would argue that revenge is a dish that you should rarely serve at all. Hot, cold, lukewarm, Whatever. Revenge, ideologically, makes sense. I get it. You know, people do things to you. You need to do things to people. Like, tit for tat. But as petty as an individual I am, I have a lot of experience in the tit for tat game. And one of the things I've concluded is very, very rarely does the tit for tat game put money in my bank account. Does the tit for tat game put food in my stomach? Does the tit for tat game keep my lights on in my home? It doesn't serve me. So I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not a vengeful person because people do piss me off and I do have a desire to get even in some way. But I realize that whatever sensation is fueling that is likely an emotion. It's likely just the way I feel right now about a particular situation. And yeah, if I enact revenge, if I exact my revenge, I'll feel better. I'll definitely feel better. But... Will I be better? You know, I will be better if I sit here, think about it and take the action that's going to ensure my continuity, my freedom. You know, somebody calls me out. Somebody's running their fucking mouth. They call me out and they want to fight me or some shit like that. I'm like... 
Bro, you're a fucking bozo. I'm not fighting you. Oh, yes, you are a fucking nigga, blah, 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 blah. Walk up, smacks the shit out of me. Now, I have a decision to make. And I was just pulling this example off the top of my head, but it actually aligns well with the situation that we all know and can probably easily recognize. When Will Smith walked up on Chris Rock and smacked him during the, the what was it, the Oscars or whatever the fuck. I don't watch award shows. Some pretty, pretty conceited shit. But yeah, Chris Rock was up there doing his monologue, cracks a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. Now, from what I understand, Will Smith found the joke funny. Jada Pinkett didn't. It's about the fact that she has alopecia, which means her hair doesn't grow. Like, I don't know if alopecia kills you. I don't know if it causes any other physical distress besides the lack of being able to grow hair. But if that is a correct understanding, like, big fucking whoop. That's how I feel about it. Like, oh, my God. Somebody made fun of your bald ass head. Big goddamn deal. Anywho, Will Smith sees Jada Pinkett doesn't like this, proceeds to walk up onto the part of the stage where he has no business being. Walk up on Chris Rock and smacks the shit out of him. Wow, I just got smacked by Will Smith. It's like, that's an example of let not, not I want to say letting it go, but he did not get revenge. He didn't walk back and steal on Will Smith in the back of his head as he was walking away. Because if it was me, that's what I would, I definitely would have thought about doing. Whether I'd actually done it, I don't know. But it certainly would have crossed my mind. Now, why didn't he do that? Because what would happen if he did that? The first thing that comes to my mind is just like in sports. Let's use football for an example. Somebody fucking shoves you or whatever, does some funny shit. You shove them back, whoop, flag. The referee doesn't see what the first person did, but they see what you did. So you get the penalty. And you're over here begging and pleading to the ref, oh my God, what the fuck, but you didn't see him, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no one cares. All I know, I saw you shove him first down. And it's like, what the fuck? So... Chris Rock was essentially the person who didn't shove back. And the person who shoved him got the penalty. Even though he didn't really get much of a penalty, like he actually smacked a grown man unscripted on live television and didn't spend a fucking day in jail, let alone go to a courtroom. He just got banned from the Oscars, which is like banning somebody from nowhere. Who gives a fuck? But he didn't do anything back. Interrupted his monologue. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Like, just bullying. Textbook bullying. You know, things that weak people do. So in that situation, revenge, at least revenge in the sense of, you know, tit for tat, was not taken. And I think Chris Rock was better off for it. You know? It was the, the stronger thing, the more difficult thing to do. He didn't take the path that I think most people would have taken or would have wanted to take. Because 
as he said in a recent stand-up special, he was raised with manners. He's got common sense. He knows that if, even though he was violated, if he counter-violates, it's a loss. He's going to suffer more. You know? He didn't serve up revenge. At least, not in the form of assault. He waited a year. He brought it up. He further ridiculed Will Smith. Everybody called him a bitch. Charlemagne called him a bitch. Drink champs called him a bitch. Everybody called him a bitch. Including me, because Will Smith's a fucking bitch. You see how that works? You see how nobody went after Chris Rock? But everybody went after Will Smith, called him a bitch? Now imagine if Chris Rock would have hit him back. Then Will Smith wins. But he didn't. And everybody called out Will Smith for the punk-ass simp bitch that he is. I wasn't a huge Will Smith fan before that, but you can rest assured, if Will Smith was giving away autographed $100 bills on the Las Vegas Strip, I wouldn't blink my eye. I wouldn't move any muscle. I would rather paralyze myself than go than, than to go support anything that man is doing. It was weak as fuck. And the point I'm trying to make here is like the fact that that action was weak. It would have been attributed to Chris Rock had he done it. And I try to take the Chris Rock path as often as I can when things happen to me. I've been walking up the street dressed up. A guy on the opposite side of traffic. This is at night. I'm just walking down the street at night. You know, there's people outside at night just trying to get the old confidence up. But I'm, I'm in femme. A guy on the opposite side of the road, the traffic going opposite the way I'm walking. Hollers out the window. Faggot ass, bitch. And I'm like, I wish I was making this up. Like, I wish I was making this up. I was like not offended. I wasn't happy. But... It was like one of the first times I was notably neutral and indifferent to an insult of that caliber. Like, I just kind of like, I like stopped for a second. Like, I hesitated. I'm like, fucking ass, what? And to me, that was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. That was me being Chris Rock. I just got slapped by that guy's words. And I'm just like. Okay, so what, should I turn around on these high heels and, like, chase that person down and give him a piece of my mind? And it's like, no. For what? He's the fucking loser. Whoever this prick was went through the... the, In his mind, he thought he could hurt me by hurling insults at me whilst traveling... 45 miles an hour eastbound on Sahara. He thought that if he shared his opinion of me with me, that it would matter so much to me that I would be broken down or worse off as a result. Or else why would he do it? And the fact that that's what he thought 
He thought that he could break me down by taking an action. The fact that he wanted to break me down by taking an action indicates to me that somewhere in you, you're broken down. I don't fucking know you. You're moving in a car. I'm hardly paying attention to you. But you thought that you could break me down. And you couldn't. So, that was weak. That was weak of him. I'm the better person. I'm stronger. I wasn't even made mad. I wasn't upset at all. I was just like, hmm, that poor motherfucker. Thinking his little pussy ass words are going to do something to me. Thinking he's going to ruin my day. No fart particles in my dinner. Like, I don't care. I don't care. And this is why when people impose themselves or commit atrocities against me, like, a lot of times I'm irate. Sometimes I, I shout and I swear and I curse and I make threats and I, it's the physical manifestation of the degree of anger and, and disrespect I'm experiencing. However, in my head, there's still a small little portion that realizes that what's done to me has been done. By the time I've been slapped, the slap has occurred. There is no action I can take to undo that. So, I'm not a religious person, but this one piece that I always, that I learned coming up, because I went to private school and shit, I learned it's the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, to accept the things that I cannot change means... I cannot change the fact that I've already been slapped. I've already been called a faggot-ass bitch. The courage to change the things that I can. What can I change? Not the fact that I've been slapped, but how I would like to react. Because I would like to pick up a rock and fucking break your car window. But I can't. Because you're moving too fast. You're already too far away. I just, I, I'm, I can't do anything. So if there's seven things that I cannot change... That's acceptance. I cannot do anything about the fact that I have been slapped, a.k.a. called a faggot-ass bitch. The wisdom to know the difference. The fact that I know that throwing a rock, calling him a faggot-ass bitch back, or as a matter of fact, any action I take will fix anything. All remaining work is up to me. And thankfully... I wasn't bothered by his comments, especially regarding my sexuality, which doesn't bother me. Why should I feel shame about the choice I've made simply because someone else doesn't agree with it? Sounds like their problem. And when people express that, I'm not mad at them. Like, you don't have to like my decisions. Like, what does revenge do for me? In a lot of cases, revenge at best, serves to make me feel better. Like, people can make you suffer. But if it doesn't kill you, you should keep going. Take the suffering. Because anything worthwhile in life that you're going to achieve is going to require some suffering. 
And that's how you find your purpose in life. The reason to endure the inherent suffering associated with life. Like, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's not. Never is, never has been, never will be. Now has been one of the best times to be alive in human existence. This is one of the best times to be alive amongst all the fucking nonsense going on. This is still the best time ever in human history to be alive. This is the least amount of suffering we as humans have had to endure ever. Could be the reason why we're having so many problems, but that's another discussion. So if you can endure this suffering, you can get there. This is why I'm against revenge, mostly. It doesn't serve me. I don't need it. And also, if I do get my revenge, I often feel worse. Or I would be in a worse situation as a result. I would get the flag thrown at me. And I don't want that. I'm in control of every action I take. It's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. So when dude called me a faggot ass bitch, I shrugged my shoulders. I kept walking. Because I don't know who the fuck he's talking to. But it sure as hell ain't me. And that brings us to the end of the Chico DeManuel Show. I thank you all very much for tuning in. If you have birthday wishes for me, I highly appreciate them. I didn't really get to do anything spectacular for my birthday, but that's not what birthdays are for. Birthdays are just another reason to celebrate life amongst the inherent suffering. And while I didn't do exactly what I might have wanted to do, I got to record my podcast. I got to share my thoughts. It's another day above ground. And I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to share my mind and speak my mind and hopefully extend something helpful to someone else and continue to reap the benefits of giving to another. So I hope you tune in for the next episode. And um, I appreciate you for listening as always. It's going to be a fun journey. We're going to do a lot of fun things. We're going to discuss a lot of fun subjects. And I hope to make this show better and better and better as time passes. So I'm signing off. I'll let you guys on the next episode. Peace.